Welcome to the Stronger Than Steel podcast with your host, Austin Davidson and John Keir, talking Steelers all the time. Now, here's Austin and John. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Stronger Than Steel podcast, hosted by myself, John Keir, and my buddy, Austin Davidson. Ayo. It is season six, episode 26 today. Talking Pittsburgh Steelers and Green Bay Packers. Looking like a, it's going to be a tough matchup for the Steelers at 1-2. and two, And the Packers sitting at 2-1 and one after beating the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday Night Football last weekend. Uh, going, having a little bit of time to process the Steelers' defeat at the hands of the Cincinnati Bengals. And then watching the Bengals defeat the Jaguars on Thursday night. Are you still feeling as negative about this team as we were on monday and tuesday or are you or have your thoughts changed at all about this team oh i feel exactly the same i just don't feel good i mean we'll have to see if zach banner's activated the one that is the one thing that changed i was, I, I was under the impression that from the first set of like uh mike tomlin talking to the media was that Oh, great. No one on IR is going to be activated. Then they opened up Zach Banner's window, which doesn't mean he'll be back, but there is a better chance that he is back uh, this this week uh, rather than what I thought before. So we'll see that. I might feel better for that because now it's even more scary because Chakumo Okorafor and Rashad Coward are out. So if Zach Banner's not back, you're going to have like Joe Haig at right tackle. You're going to have like no depth at guard. It's all a scary, scary time. But yeah, I don't feel, I don't feel better. How about you? All right, and 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 in regards to Banner himself, his three week window for practicing has opened up, which, like you said, does not mean that he's coming back this week. But it could mean that he could play this weekend. I mean, probably not, but it could theoretically mean that he could, and he has an opportunity to return in any of the next three weeks, and would probably. Uh, barring a setback would be expected to rejoin the team sometime in that period of time. Yeah, that would be ideal as if he could come back this week, but it, uh, it's still a long shot for that. It's somewhere between these 21 days, as you said, or he's gone and for you, the season. Yeah, that's true. And you don't want to rush him back either because you don't want to re-aggravate something now. So, uh, I know that the offensive line needs help, but you also don't want to push things with him because if you aren't careful, you do lose him for the season. So Yeah, it's much better to take your time sometimes with these things. I mean, it's a long season. There's an extra game now. It's long, So it's the wins aren't as, as important as they used to be last season. Still very important in a 17-game season. Or, yeah, 17-game, 18-week. Uh, but yeah, health is most important for the long run. On the practice squad, the Steelers currently have Chaz Green and John LeGlue, as well as Malcolm Pridgeton as their three offensive linemen in reserve there. So I would expect probably Green or LeGlue to be called up. LeGlue has that versatility, and Green has former starting experience. Yeah, there's a chance for both of them to be elevated at the same time, too, because of the lack of depth on the tackle and guard. All right, and since we kind of started talking about Banner today, why don't we kind of get into what else is going on with the Steelers 
As far as their current injuries, there have been three players ruled out of Sunday's game. That is reserve defensive tackle Carlos Davis, who misses. Uh, is this his second or third straight game that he's missed? I know he missed this last week as well. This is third straight game. Third so, straight game. So obviously, something something with Davis has either gotten worse or is you know ended up being a bigger deal than the team thought. Uh, I I would expect that they think he's probably going to return soon if they haven't placed him on injured reserve yet. But if they will, if they are expecting him to be out an extended period, I wouldn't be surprised to see him return or go to injured reserve tomorrow. He was a part of the initial 53, was he not? Yeah, he was. Okay. So that would not uh, matter then. He would be eligible to return then. So I don't know. Clearly there's something going on that the team was either unexpected not expecting or something that happened after he got injured that got worse. So that's a concern, but he will not have to, he wasn't probably going to play a ton. Isaiah Bugs has been taking the snaps at nose tackle instead. Elsewhere, guard Rashad Coward, or sorry, Rashad Coward is out with an ankle injury. Uh, this is uh, unfortunate for him because with the state of the line, there have been a lot of calls for potential changes in the lineup, although I don't know that they were necessarily going to happen. Coward was kind of in competition with B.J. Finney to be one of the first guys off the bench and had been a game day inactive all year, but perhaps stood a chance to play in his first game of the season with Chukumo Okorafor also being ruled out uh, with a concussion that we saw last week, but obviously with Coward being ruled out as well. The Steelers are short two linemen, including one starter and a reserve defensive lineman in this game. And elsewhere... Just Chase Claypool is questionable. He suffered a hamstring injury on Thursday and did not practice on Friday. So the fact that he didn't practice on Friday was concerning. And given everything that we know about the way this team tends to handle things if they don't practice, uh, it doesn't look like it's going to be good for Chase Claypool. He might still play, but there are doubts now. Yeah, it sounds like he's a true game time decision at the moment. Uh, going from limited in one practice, because well, mostly it was limited because he got hurt that practice, to uh, not participating on Friday is never a good thing. Only having one more rest day in between, not good. Uh, likely out, so that's something to monitor. We'll see. Saturday will be more telling. Well, if it's really serious, he's going to be ruled out Saturday. If if it's like okay, it's not that bad, he might be able to play Sunday. It will truly be a game-time decision. That's how I feel about it right now, though. I feel like it's a game-time decision. I don't feel like it's super serious, at, at, at least at least not right now. Elsewhere, uh, as we, you might have been able to gather based on what was going on with T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith, they will both be returning to play. They were not listed on the final injury report with a designation, so... They will be returning to action, hopefully full-time, which should provide a huge boost for this defense and a much-needed one at that. I apologize. I missed... My audio just caught, cut out. What did? What was the last That's thing you okay. said? I was just saying... Uh, I was just saying the fact that Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt will be returning to the lineup should provide a much-needed boost to the defense. Yeah, no injury designations for those two, so that's really good. No injury designation for Deontay Johnson either, or Juju Smith-Schuster, so otherwise pretty good. We got a lot of pretty high-profile players back for this game, other than losing Chase Claypool. 
And what are the Steelers potentially losing in a guy like Claypool, who has been pretty quiet so far this year, but as we know, had a pretty good rookie season and has that big play threat? Yeah, it's tough. But so far, it's just it's not been very good because there was a um, there was a chart the other day. It was like catch percentage versus, versus separation, and Claypool is really struggling to separate. I mean, a lot of his routes are those fly routes or the vertical routes, which go straight down the field. The and nine routes. A lot, yeah, a lot of it has been like chuck it up to Chase Claypool and see if we get a pa- pass interference or he makes a really good catch, and that's kind of how it's been. It's not been getting a lot of separation. So, on that chart, he was the worst of the Steelers' starting uh, wide receivers of catch percentage versus versus, uh, distance separation. So, hopefully, having Deontay Johnson back is better. You know what I mean? It's like, I feel like Deontay Johnson for Chase Clayton would be a good trade. Yeah, Johnson creates separation. If this team isn't providing, I was just going to say, if this team isn't providing big plays, then you'd rather have Johnson. Yeah, I think he's better for the short passing game and just more in general as a as a guy Ben can throw to. It's more consistent is what I was trying to get at. Really struggling to get out my words today. <laughs> well, and a lot of the things a lot of the things that we've seen is that there and we'll get into the discussion about the offense in a little bit, but we've seen a ton of issues with Ben holding on to the ball or the line not protecting. And part of the reason that Ben's holding on to the ball is because guys aren't getting open or because he's unwilling to throw the ball. And the first part of it, guys aren't getting open, it's something that we've heard about, but we've seen a lot of examples now lately where he has been holding on to the ball because guys just aren't getting open. And a lot of plays, it's none of them are getting open. So we'll get into a bigger discussion about that. But a guy like Johnson who is the only true threat when it comes to getting open without needing help. Getting him back, I think, is just crucial for this offense because if if he is the difference between the offense that we saw against the Bengals and the one against the Raiders, which granted was not that big of a difference, although it kind of felt like it, didn't it? I think that's a huge difference. Yeah, I think it is. So that is what well, I'd rather have them both, but if it's one or the other, I'd rather have Deontay Johnson for the offense. I think it's better for the most part, to have him. Not to mention, uh, Johnson is the true X receiver, and James Washington is more of a Z, and Chase Claypool does play the Z in a bit of the slot, so it's easier to replace his snaps than it is a guy like Deontay Johnson. So it's looking better for the Steelers' injury report, but obviously they have those four players either out or questionable, and they still have their players on injured reserve that we had talked about before. So still no Anthony McFarland, still no Stefan Tuitt right now. By the way, it sounds like Tuitt might be out for a little bit while longer, which is a big blow to a defense missing Tyson Alualu too. Yeah, and no word on McFarland, which also implies that McFarland will be out for a while. But they might just not want McFarland back for this year. I mean, he might not have a spot on the roster currently, or at least that they feel. it definitely has a spot on the roster, but yeah, it sounds like he's not close to ready. And that is concerning that his 21-day window isn't opening. It means that uh, we'll have to wait till Week 8 to see if he even comes back for the season. And Week 8 is just when he's eligible to reopen his 21-day window again, so he might not even be ready for Week 8. We might be getting to Week 11 and he'd come back. And down the stretch, if the Steelers are still competing, that'd be nice, but having to it as soon as possible would be so much better. 
if you're not careful and the team doesn't start playing better, you could be entering a situation where he might just be shut down for the season. Yeah, I mean, if if they keep going where they're going, they're not going to really be into it. Uh, like, worst case scenario, you want to be 5-6 and six at week... Uh, I'm sorry, you would want to be 5-5, f- and five, I guess, because after week 10... I I was I, four. I guess four and six is manageable. I guess four and six at at week ten for him to come back for you to still be competitive is manageable. You can't really be work worse than that. Entering week eleven. All right, let's look at the Packers side of things. Looks like there's a lot more going on there. Uh, their receiver Marquez Valdez Scantling is out with a hamstring injury, uh, so. Would you call him the number two? I'd, I'd probably consider him and Alan Lazard. If you want to call one, two, and the other three, I wouldn't disagree with you all that much. But certainly as one of the secondary options for Aaron Rodgers will not be playing in this one. Yeah, I think he's now on IR. They're at least talking about putting Marcus Valdez-Scanling on IR for the short-term version. But, yeah, now it's we're going to see a little bit more Randall Cobb this week because he is a forgettably a Packer again. <laughs> Oh, let's also make sure that we mention that it is conceivable that uh, one Equinemia St. Brown could be called up to the active roster. He's been on the team for a couple of years, but is on the practice squad. So he's a guy with some good experience too that might get called up. Maybe we'll get a hat. I don't know, but that's uh, a name to look out for at least. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, he was an active roster guy just last year. so And he played meaningful snaps on offense. That is definitely an option for them uh, with Valdez Scandling out. All right. Uh, what else do we have on the injury report here? I'm seeing Elton Jenkins, one of their offensive linemen with an ankle injury, and cornerback Kevin King are doubtful, with it, and he has a concussion. Uh, Kevin King is a guy, man, you want to talk about uh, regretful picks. The Packers taking... Kevin King with their first round pick in 2017 have to be just kicking themselves with TJ Watt sitting on the other side of the lineup this week. Yeah, that is super tough. And 2017, isn't that also the year Tredavious White came out as well? Or am I incorrect on that? You are correct, but I'm pretty sure he went earlier. I thought, because I thought Chiefs were at 28, and didn't they move up to 14 with the Bills? And the Bills then took Tredavious White at 28? I don't... Hmm. That sounds... You have a very good memory, sir, so that is correct, but the Packers were picking 29th. Oh, okay, so it didn't matter. All right, all right, all right. fair, fair, fair. The Steelers oh, so... picked 30th, and the Packers were 29th because they lost their respective championship games that season. Okay. Yeah. So I for I forgot where um where the Packers were picking in th- in that scenario. But yeah, they missed out on T.J. Watt. Now they got Rashawn Gary, who looks like he's getting better. But you know, not T.J. Watt. More oh, closer to Bud Dupree in his second year. If I may add another another aspect to that, the I forgot about this. The Packers were actually picking 29th. And I did forget about this. Uh, I thought they were going to take Watt. They actually didn't pick 29th. They traded to Cleveland. They traded that pick to Cleveland. That pick became David and Joku. And the the Browns didn't need an edge rusher since they had just drafted Miles Garrett with the first pick. And the Packers had then the first pick in the second round, which they then used on Kevin King. 
Also, mm. uh, you had just mentioned uh, Rashawn Gary. Zadarius Smith is getting back surgery now and is expected to miss a significant amount of time. So, with that being the case, uh, you just mentioned Rashawn Gary. It's going to be a big, uh, big season for him, or at least a big opportunity for him. Yeah, I saw you picked him up in fantasy. Big believer. Well, not big believer. Well, at least you know he's getting the snaps. This week I so. am. This week I oh, am. Oh, yeah. You started him. I respect it. But um, I I was just looking at, well, because Zadarius Smith was an important part. And the, the Packers not having him is important. See, the Packers right now, their two edge rushers, Rashawn Gary, is unproven but a great athlete. And on the other side, Preston Smith is more like a Bud Dupree player who doesn't win a lot one-on-one but is a high-effort player. So that does play into the Steelers' favor, but we didn't mention Smith off the top because he was already on injured reserve. He's just expected to miss most of, if not all, the season. Yeah, he was supposed to come back after next week, but they just said he just recently got back surgery, and now they're just hoping it's not season-ending. They're talking about it being season-ending now. What else is going on here? Vernon Scott, Jack Heflin, and Chris Barnes are all questionable in this week. Uh, you have notes on them? Yeah, so Barnes logged two limited practices to close the week. Scott was limited all week, and Heflin was a late addition as limited participant on Friday. Uh, so if any are in danger to miss the game, Heflin is probably the, the most because he left practice early on Friday. His injury was most recent, so we'll see that. But none of them are starters anyway, so it doesn't exactly matter. It's just it'd be a hit to de- depth because uh, Heflin is actually their only backup defensive end on their roster at the moment. Uh, so they'd be really, really weak at outside linebackers. I mean, you're down to already Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary. The only other outside linebackers they have are Chauncey Rivers and Jonathan Garvin. Uh, so without Heflin, I'm thinking they'd have to, if anything were to happen, they'd have to move one of those outside linebackers to the outside or access their their uh, practice squad practice and squad. bring up someone. Yeah, because currently if Heflin can't go, they literally have no one behind Dean Lowry and Kingsley Kiki unless you put on TJ Slayton, who's a nose tackle. Let me uh, let me check their roster and see the name if they have any names there. Uh, as getting into the actual preview between these two teams, the Packers, a team that got crushed by the Saints on opening day in Jacksonville of all places, and have rebounded, looking better against the Lions, but still not great. And then had that dramatic comeback win against the 49ers. Where are you at with this Packers team? Just uh, three weeks into this young season, do you do you think that their Week One loss was more of a kind of an aberration and they're still a good team or do you think that they have more more to show uh so first i just want to say they do have one defensive lineman on their practice squad he's rj mcintosh he's only listed as defensive lineman so uh he looks like the defensive end type he's only 286 pounds so i'm pretty sure he's more of a de than a dt so he'd come up as for your question uh i feel like the packers are in the same spot that they have been in the past like six seven years or so on and so forth it's like they always blow that one bad game like when they lose they lose big i i feel like more than anything and really uh 
I think that it's just a reflection on their season. Because I remember, like, last year thinking they were, like, the worst 13-3 and team that I'd ever seen. Like, because those three losses were just blowout losses. Every single one was terrible. So I feel like this is nothing new for the, the Packers. Like, they're just going to suffer, like, those really weird, like, out-of-nowhere losses. But I still think that they're a decent team. I think Aaron Jones is playing well. I feel like Devontae Adams is getting his feet back under him because now Aaron Rodgers is not having that game he had uh, week one. I feel like they're okay. Uh, I feel like the offense is pretty solid. The defense still could use some work. I feel like they've suffered from the injuries. I mean, losing your best pass rusher is always going to suck. Like, it's how it is. We saw how it was without T.J. Watt. Now, Zedaria Smith isn't no T.J. Watt, but he is still a fairly good player. Like I I'd say, I'd say probably a top 15 edge rusher. Uh, I, I, I feel like I could say that with confidence. So it's tough. It's tough to uh, lose a guy like that and still play really well. So I'm still, I still think that the pack the, 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 cutting this short. I think that the Packers are still a solid team. I think they could get to 12 wins this year, especially with the extra game, 12 or 11. I think that's achievable for them. So last we were you were mentioning the whole unimpressive thirteen win season that was two years ago. So two years ago Oof, they had thirteen wins, they had thirteen wins, but they seemed unimpressive because their three regular season losses, two of them came by at least shoot, two of them came by at least I think uh, fifteen points. Yeah, yeah. I mean they they got blown out when they lost, and. They didn't win many of their games by double digits, just looking down. I mean, they finished with a top 10 defense, but they were league average on offense, just 15th in points per game. And then last year, their defense regressed a tad, but their offense went to number one in the NFL in terms of points per game. So they were far more impressive last year. Didn't have any of those blow Actually, wait, they had the one blowout loss to the Buccaneers, but outside of that, the other three losses they had were not bad. And then they open up this year with the blowout loss, and it's just kind of like, well, you know, all the talk this offseason was about the whole Aaron Rodgers drama, and you wondered if maybe that was having something to do with the slow start. But they've kind of turned things around, but this is still a team lacking cohesion right now, and a team that fancied itself to be a contender in not just the NFC North and in the NFC playoffs, but potentially for a Super Bowl. This is a team that, under its current coaching staff has won 13 games in both of their two in both of their seasons as uh as they've been in place so it makes sense that they've been competing and holding the idea that they are going to compete for a super bowl yeah their their offense obviously still runs through Aaron Rodgers but they've got a lot of the uh Pittsburgh Steelers triplets uh I don't want to call it a disease but the issues that those mid-2010 Steelers teams had, which is it's just the quarterback, top receiver, and running back running the offense for the most part, and the defense is kind of suspect. It might be a better defense than the one the Steelers had, but this is still clearly a team with some flaws. Oh, yeah. They for sure have some flaw- uh, some flaws. Their offensive line is also not playing as well as it was last year, so that is also going to hurt the team. Uh, so... They are not where they are offensively last year, for sure. Uh, I still think they have some solid pieces, because I think I, I like Robert Tunyon. I think he does a good job from the tight end position for them to to go with Devontae Adams when Devontae Adams is being doubled. So I think they miss Jamal Williams, though. That's something that I, I, 
I would never feel like I would never say, but I feel like they missed the running back duo they had because being able to toss out of the backfield to both their running backs was super helpful for them. So I think that's actually also hurting their offense as well because they don't really have that anymore. They have A.J. Dillon instead, and he's, he's solid. He's a bruiser. He's, he's not really a catcher. Yeah, he's not a pass catcher. He's not, he's not what Jamal Williams was. So for what Jamal Williams was doing in their passing game, which he's now brought to Detroit, uh, I think they missed that as well. So they've definitely... They're not as good as last year, still solid, but they do have those holes. And obviously the number one the number one thing to do with this offense is to try to slow down Devontae Adams. And if you think about the game against Buffalo, the Steelers successfully held one Stefan Diggs in check. Adams is a bit of a different story. He's a slightly different receiver in terms of physicality, but he's still one of the best and has been one of the most productive receivers in the NFL over the past half decade. How do you think the Steelers are going to approach taking him away? Because they traditionally over the last few years have not been traveling cornerbacks. So expect the Packers to try to move him around. I'm sure we'll see some bracket coverage, but we've seen uh, a lot more zone coverage from the Steelers than we have in recent years, at least to start. Yeah. For, so for Devonte Adams, I think he is like a top three wide receiver, but I just feel comfortable with the defense. I'm not really doing anything special for him. I, I know that James Pierre is young and probably not ready for Devontae Adams, but I'm putting faith in him with the pass rush mostly put back together. I'm putting faith in him. I have I always have faith in Joe Hayden and Cameron Sutton. I also am putting faith into him. I think that the... I'm I'm essentially banking on the pass rush returning to form with Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt returning to be able to uh, provide their efforts. Because without them, it was really tough last week. But, I mean, TJ Watt, before he got injured, was playing amazing. Like, he was absolutely destroying everyone he went up against. He wasn't going up against uh, schlubs. Like, well, he was against Alex the Raiders before he got hurt. Yeah. But... Uh, against the Bills, that that was more impressive, and he did really well. But yeah, so I, I, as for the cornerbacks, to go back to the actual question, I'm not really doing anything special. Like I, I'll definitely uh, give some safety help. Uh, I or I would uh, on occasional plays where it's like I, I feel most on if I I had to put the most in comfort, I'd feel most uncomfortable with James Pierre. I'd, if James Pierre is on that side of the field where Devontae Adams is lined up, then I'd probably, that's where I'd give him a little bit extra help, but I'm not even doing that all the time. I want to see if the pass rush can uh, hit home first uh, before I, I super worry about uh, Devontae Adams. Are you trying to do what the Steelers did in the first few games this year and just try to bring four only? I would bring more. This time, honestly, I I would I would I, I would at least do it a little bit more than we've seen. I mean, they really not they really haven't been doing it. They've been relying on four, which is kind of ironic because now that you have the pass rushers back, it now makes more sense to just put four. But I feel like they just need to change it up. Like uh, the predictability on offense is kind of carrying over to the defense, not as much, but like not completely ruling out part of the game and making it kind of. I, I wouldn't say it's easier to break down, but I feel like if you're not expecting the blitz, like, you know that, okay, now I just have to figure out who is, who's going to be in coverage in what spots. Like, so I, I feel like we, the blitz should be brought in for that reason, not for 
applying extra pressure because I think pressure will be better with Watt back and Highsmith back. But yeah, so I'm bringing a little bit more blitz in this game than we've seen. Not not a crazy amount more, but more. I think when you had Tyson Alualu and in theory could have had Stefan to it. When you have a fully healthy lineup, I think that's something that you can do because it's kind of a luxury. But when you're missing a couple of those pieces, I think it has to be something that becomes matchup dependent. And I do get a bit nervous about blitzing a guy like Aaron Rodgers, who is, you know, he's not a burner. He's never been the fastest corner quarterback in the league, but he's still deceptively fast. He can still break out for a decent run whenever he needs to. So for he's that got reason, some legs. <laughs> he, he does. Yeah. So for that reason, I don't think I'd be bringing only three pass rushers. I think I might bring just three, maybe like le- like probably less than five times all game. I'm bringing at least four, and I'd probably up my blitz rate. I was going to say more than they did against the Bengals, but the Bengals only dropped back 19 times, so I, I don't remember if the Steelers did a whole lot, even if they didn't a lot, because there were just so few plays against, they didn't really have the opportunity to do so. Uh, I would try to bring the heat a little bit more, though, this time. Are you a fan of blitzing against the run? Run blitzing? Yeah, are you a fan of run blitzing? Well, I mean, I, that depends on the game flow. It depends on the situation. Yeah. I, is it, I was just curious. You know, is it is it second and one? Is it first and ten? You know, what what's the situation, I guess? It, it depends. That's, uh, that's kind of my answer, I guess. Okay. Yeah, I was just curious. Made me think of that. Why? Uh, do, do you have an opinion? Like, are you thinking for this game you would want to see more run blitzes? No, because Aaron Jones is really good with the, the ball in his hand. So, I, honestly, I was just, I heard, we were talking about the blitzing. I was like, huh. I, wa- I, I was still processing in my head. I was like, would this be a good game to, like, do a lot more run blitzes than we see? Because I haven't really been blitzing at all. And then I was then before I got to to the, the conclusion that oh no wait Aaron Jones is really good out of the backfield uh, as a pass catcher it's probably not a g- good idea uh, I'd already asked the question <laughs> sometimes I go on autopilot Aaron Rodgers so far has attempted eighty eight passes Aaron Jones has forty one carries AJ Dillon has fifteen um, the overall numbers on the ground haven't been super productive. And plus, they're going to be most likely missing. Uh, I'm sorry, wait. Most likely, or are most likely going to be missing Elton Jenkins, their uh, starting left tackle. So, with that being the case, I mean, you should be able to get a good matchup with Highsmith or Melvin Ingram on John, uh, or sorry, on Elton Jenkins or whoever, or on whoever Elton Jenkins' replacement is. My apologies, Yosh. Nijman, I believe is how you say that name, or Dennis Kelly, probably Dennis Kelly. I don't know if uh, he would switch sides or not. Um, I I don't know. I, I feel more comfortable about the Steelers' ability to defend the run in this game than last week. The Bengals did have some nice runs, but I can only recall like four or five running plays where the Steelers were in real trouble, and most of them were the result of inexperienced you know, edge rushers or defensive linemen being involved in the play. You know, I don't think it should be as much of an issue this week, so I don't know that I'd be that overly aggressive with it this time around. Yeah, it's probably better to not uh, run blitz as much in this one. Bottom line, you're trying to slow down Devontae Adams and see if the Packers can beat you with players other than Adams. Guys like Robert Tunyon, Mercedes Lewis, uh, MVS is out, so Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, uh, Aaron Jones... 
you give them that stuff, and I mean, Devontae Adams is going to get his targets. He's going to get his catches, but I mean, it, I think I'd even take ten for a ten for a hundred and no touchdowns. Like I, I think I'd take that to be honest with you. I think Just, I would too. I think that's a good stat line because Devontae Adams is going to get his. That week one uh, was a fluke because Aaron Rodgers played bad. But when Aaron Rodgers doesn't play bad, which is most of the time, Devontae Adams is going to get his catches. Like, you could expect him to get at least 60 yards in this game. I'm trying to think of the last time besides that where, like, he he truly hasn't had an impactful game. I mean, he's just been off the charts lately. He's... And there is trouble because you don't want to focus so much on him that you're you're concerned about getting beaten up. See that that's kind of where I'm I'm find myself being nervous because in years past, especially the last couple of years, taking those other guys one on one and trusting them to handle their assignment deep hasn't been an issue. But so far this year, the Henry Ruggs touchdown and the Jamar Chase touchdown, we've seen this defense getting you know beaten over the top for the big play. And you just can't have that, you know, taking away the biggest weapon in the game is great and all, but if you can't, if you can't prevent those big plays or at the very least can't get them on the ground when they catch it, then there's a, you know, you're not going to be very successful. So with Devonte Adams, the last time he had under five catches in a game was week two of last year against Detroit. He only had three catches and something in my head is telling me he got injured. Oh, no, okay. I don't have to say in my head because I see it. He got injured that game. That is the reason why. Because that was Sunday 9-20. He didn't play again until October 18th. Okay. So, the smallest amount of catches he's had when he's not been injured in the past two seasons, including playoffs, is six. And the the smallest yardage amount uh, is 42. And that was against the Panthers last year. It was 42 yards. He had seven catches in that game, so not his lowest catch total. Uh, six catches for 46 yards against the Bears uh, in the, their last game before the postseason uh, last year as well. So there's that. But it's not very often that he gets not a lot of yards. It takes him being injured is really what it takes. Look, this is ultimately going to come down to how the Steelers' secondary plays, I think. The... The, the front line should still get good pressure. Maybe not as much as they did against Josh Allen in week one, but they should get similar amounts of pressure. But Josh Allen also played a bad game that week. I don't know that Aaron Rodgers is going to play badly. This is really a game where I'd like to see an emergence from the inside linebackers. We've talked about them a lot coming into this year. Devin Bush coming off the ACL injury and Joe Schobert being acquired from Jacksonville. Schobert's been okay. I feel like Bush has been okay, too. Those two guys need to start producing a little bit more. And, you know, what? so does Minka Fitzpatrick, too. Uh, he's been okay, I think. But it sounds like, by all accounts, that he's been doing more of a do-it-all type of situation. A, a different role on defense as opposed to just being the deep center fielder. He's been put in a bunch of different situations. And while I think that it's helpful in some aspects, I don't know that it's helping this defense on the back end when, especially last week, that they were struggling to, uh, you know, keep a lid on things. 
Yeah, I mean, he's not. He's been vocal that he's not even comfortable with that kind of stuff. He wanted out of Miami. The whole reason he left Miami was because they were moving him around out of in places that put him in uncomfortable positions. He wasn't good until he got to Pittsburgh, where he got to stay in a, for the most part, pretty same role. They started using him more down the stretch in more versatile roles, but I think that uh, he should be left where he's best. I mean, I don't think he's going to be like, I demand out of Pittsburgh because I'm being used different, but that's literally exactly what happened in Miami, so who knows. Uh, He definitely needs to step up. The the inside linebackers, I feel like, have been okay. I do want more from them, but they're not all pros. Actually, was Joe Schobert a second-team all-pro once? He might have been. I'm but pretty sure he was. Point. Well, he, he's regardless, that's not who he is now, but he's still adequate. Yeah, he's adequate. So, he's playing all right, but I do expect more out of my young all-pro safety of that is not playing at an all-pro level. I feel like he's not even currently playing at a Pro Bowl level. He's just playing okay. And okay is, is you know, <laughs> it's exactly okay, but uh, you want him to play better than that. I want to see him get up to Pro Bowl lever- level, especially when he was an all-pro just last season. So I want to see more out of him as well. What do you think about Devin Bush in terms of where he should be right now because he hasn't been playing great but again coming off the ACL injury missed the week two game against the Raiders where should we realistically be thinking he should be and where where does he need to be by year's end I don't know I expect him to have more tackles uh, through two games I guess it, technically three I definitely expect him to have more through three but I, didn't, I wasn't accounting for an injury but I feel like I want to see more of that. I just want to see more tackling from him more because he's supposed to be like a sideline to sideline guy, a guy that can basically defend the whole field from the middle linebacker position, a field general, if you will. Uh, I want to see more of that. Uh, And he was, I want to see better tackling from him. There's really only one play that comes to mind and it's that Tyler Boyd touchdown. I feel like he was the main, the main uh, missed tackle guy there. I guess I'll call it. Uh, but he was one of the three, and I want to see better from that. I just want to see more tackles from him. I think that would be enough. I, I feel like most people are are going to not be okay with that. They want to see more turnovers, and I think I, I want to see more turnovers too, but at the basis, I just want to see him be a more sound tackler and get more tacklers. I want him to be all over the field. I want him to be just absolutely running with uh, no regard for human life around the field. What is a successful day for this defense? Against Packers or just in general? Today. Well, this weekend. Yeah. Okay. Against the Packers, I think if they hold the Packers to 20 points, they've done a good job. I feel like that's that's a tough offense uh, to defend against. I know they, they're they mostly relying on their top three guys between their trio of Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and Aaron Jones. But I think... I think that with the other people that they do have, like I've always been a fan of Lazard. I know that uh, he's not really having a big year this year. He's kind of, you know, stuck behind him the depth chart. Well, he'll be thrust into it this week. He'll be number two on the depth chart. Yeah, so I'm higher on him than a lot of other people, so I really like him. Uh, Randall Cobb is still there. He hasn't really done much, but I like what they have on offense. So I think holding Aaron Rodgers to 20 points would be a good job, personally. 
I'm looking. I my numbers are twenty points, at least two sacks, and it's really hard to get a turnover against Rodgers. So I'd say one turnover in general, I'd be happy with because it's probably more. It's probably easier to get a fumble in this game than an interception against Rodgers. He's just not a guy that really turned over the ball much in his entire career. I think that magic number for points where not even taking into account the Steelers' offense, I think you're looking right around 23-24. And I, I do think that you need multiple takeaways in this one uh, just because you don't know if the offense is going to be able to keep themselves from turning it over or not. <clears throat> Furthermore, I need to stop seeing uh, big plays given up at the end of uh, the half. That, that stuff has to stop. The explosive plays are... My number one concern, I know Devontae is going to get his during the course of the game, but it's about, a, a big part of it is about being successful on first down. And, you know, I, I think I want the Steelers to blitz, but I also am okay with them only rushing for um, obvious passing situations. I don't think there's a situation where you need to bother doing that unless if there's a situation where you aren't getting home with your with your four-man rush at all. And barring injury, I think the Steelers should have a favorable matchup, even though the offensive line is solid, but they're missing their left tackle. So, uh, you know, that could be an issue for them. Yeah, I have high expectations for the pass rush in this game. I know they're coming off an injury, but I'm expecting good things. They're starting a rookie at center, just like us. A true center, though, so it's a little different. They don't have Jenkins still. He hasn't played all year. They're still with the uh, what's it what's his face is on uh, physically unable to perform. David Bakhtiari, he's not been, uh, he's been on physically unable to perform this entire year as well. This is a favorable matchup, and the pass rush has no excuse this 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 game. The game against the Raiders where the where the uh, offensive line was really bad, they at least had the injury excuse. Against the Bengals, same thing. You probably even worse the the injury excuse because no Alex Highsmith, no T.J. Watt, they dropped Melvin Ingram into coverage. So tough. There's no excuse coming into this game. I, you're without to it, but you you don't need to it to be a good pass rush. So uh, I expect I'm expecting some big things from them. I'm not talking about just sacks. I want to see I want to see pressure. I want to see Aaron Rodgers having to get the ball out faster because the pressure is getting there. On the other side now, uh, the Steelers offense obviously has had a world of issues. And I mean, we've talked pretty much at length about them, but let me, uh, let me try to sum it up. Uh, starting first with the offensive coordinator, Matt Canada slash Ben Roethlisberger. This is an offense that is not creative enough in terms of getting guys open or utilizing things like play action or motion, either due to Ben Roethlisberger having too much input, which I fault the organization for, for not outlining that when they brought him back this year. Um, also, uh, you know, questionable play calling at times. Ben Roethlisberger obviously uh, having more limitations at age 39, not fully buying into this offense, it seems, or not fully understanding what's going on in the offense and not trusting his offensive line and having his physical issues, uh, making bad decisions. The running game is magnitudes worse than where it was last year, and that's really saying something. The 32nd-ranked rushing offense, again, 
having issues behind an offensive line that cannot protect its quarterback, and each of the five starting offensive linemen were flagged in last week's loss to the Bengals. And the aforementioned receivers are not getting open, so there are issues at every single level. So before we even talk about the Packers' defense, uh, Mike Tomlin kind of outlined a three-pronged attack for the way that the Steelers can improve. And his first, I want to say his first prong was a better understanding by the coaching staff of the strengths and weaknesses of their players, you know, having a better game plan, not running into a five or six man front that the Bengals have. Uh, Prong two was better fundamental execution. And then I believe prong three was kind of learning from that. So basically the Steelers just need to get better at football. Um, (laughs) We've had a little bit of time to, (laughs) we've had a little bit of time to think about it. Where are you at right now? What, uh, what do you try to do if you're going to, be taking control of this offense how do you try to fix things i have one request for this offense they can't do anything right basically their one thing i want them to focus on more than anything is the penalties they need to get the penalties down to close to none it has to be nothing because the offense already can't move as it is the penalties only hurt that cause it, it's just moving them backwards and they really really need to get that together that is my one request for the offense i don't expect anything out of them at this point but i think it would be a tremendous help i've been saying it since week one i i I feel like i'm gonna be saying it all season the way for the steelers offense to win is to win the turnover battle and to not be the more penalized team and the offense was so bad last game they had four penalties on the offense alone while the defense had zero uh, at that point in the game when they got four, uh, four penalties. They have to be smart. They ha- they can't get stupid penalties. They can't have the ones where they're fighting each other or spitting in each other's face or, or anything like that. They have to be uh, they have to be diligent and paying attention. They're in an op- opposing stadium. They have to be listening as best they can. They have to make sure they have the snap count so false starts are reduced. I, that is my expectation because I just don't see them really fixing anything else other than you need to be playing a smart game. You need to be playing a game where you're not penalized and so on and so forth. Win the penalty battle and it, it'll give you a way better chance to win this game. That's my biggest focus for the offense because there's just not much they can do. It doesn't matter what defense they go up against. There's just At the moment, until I see a change uh, from... Maybe Zach Banner coming in. Maybe they shuffle the offensive line. There's just It's just going to be relying on dink and dunk offense to get all the way down the field, and it's not very effective. So, again, just to reiterate, my number one thing is reducing penalties. I would love to see penalties, the, the entire team be penalized three or less times in this game. You know what? That's actually a, a good place to uh, kind of start is – Mike Tomlin did kind of have a point when he said that we are close. And again, close doesn't mean good, but there were several, several, I wouldn't call them big, but several important plays where the Steelers had positive results negated by penalties. And I mean, let's just go to the first two drives of the game. There's a penalty for illegal formation on the second play from scrimmage. The Steelers gained 10 yards on that drive, but because of the, because of the penalty, they ended up having to punt. And then again, they had a 12-yard pass play 
uh, to Najee Harris, but an offensive pass interference penalty on Chase Claypool kills that drive. There was a holding penalty on Kendrick Green. And again, like I said, every one of the starting offensive linemen had a penalty in this one, but they had penalties on their first... Let's see. Let me make sure I get this right. Their first three drives that all effectively ended their drives. They're not good enough to overcome stuff like this on a regular basis. You have to be able to succeed on first down and when you're getting yourself in these penalties you're even if you're not getting the penalty on first down if you're getting it on second or third down you're erasing all the hard work you might have gotten from first and second down so i i have to wholeheartedly agree with you i think if this team can limit it to what did you say three uh three for the team i'll say like yeah, four for the team. i'll say four in general two per side and maybe five, like, one on a special teams. But, like, you can't have any more than that. I mean, it's it's just hard. You, you've got to be able to succeed on first down. And, look, it's a work in progress. I think my I think my first order of duty for this offense is, look, they're, they're not going to get anything going without a running game, right? I mean, do you, do you just keep trying it until it works? Yeah, I guess that's what you got to do. You got to keep trying until it works. Try different plays. Try counters. Try outside runs. Try more but, jet sweeps. I don't know. Do do everything you can and try and figure it out. It's the best you could do, I guess. See, the issue is that the, the issue is that there's just no – there isn't like a staple run the Steelers can kind of thrive on and say, okay, that's the thing we do well because they aren't doing anything well. And it's just, it's what, it's, I see what Mike Tomlin is saying, where a lot of times it is just one guy. And we knew that there were going to be growing pains and they should get better over time. But I don't know, the, the time is just something that's not there. You need, I expected growing pains from, they were not great, but doing well enough to, you know, they'd be good. But right now they aren't even passable and they need to at least get to a point where they're not just sabotaging the offense. All we asked for going into this season was a 50% success rate on runs. And we are not getting anywhere close. We somehow regressed. I think so we're far at like 37% so far. Yeah. I think, well, it was last year, like 42%. Something like that. Pretty close. Regardless. Yeah, it's, it's worse now, for sure. It's worse. It, just, it feels worse. It doesn't feel... Last year, it just... I don't think it felt as bad because it felt like it can improve right now. It doesn't feel like it can improve until Zach Banner comes back. So, and, and even then it's like, we're hoping that that improves it. So, um, they gotta be good at rushing in short yardage situation. And just going back to the penalties for one more time. I, I don't trust Matt Canada enough to be put into long situations because if you're put into, let's say it's second and 10, Ben just threw an incompletion. And now the offensive line gets a false start, second and 15. I know damn well we're going to run on that play. And it's going to be a gain of four. And it's going to be third and 11. And now you're in a third and long situation because you really want to run on second and long. Uh, that's what this offense, this offense loves running on second and long. They're like, we can't even run at all, but we're going to do it in situations that we barely get the yards back that we, that, that, uh, that they lost. So that's one more thing well, on, uh, combining the run game and the penalties and let's let's kind of circle back to the whole Matt Canada thing 
never coached in the NFL prior to last season, was an assistant coach, handed the keys to the offense. You know, we can have that discussion of whether or not he's just another coach that Ben is familiar with versus whether they should have gotten someone different. I understand that you probably can't fully evaluate this guy until he has a, you know, a quarterback that's meant for his system. But at the same time, I just think that you're seeing all the all the problems of an inexperienced offensive coordinator, whereas if the Steelers had brought in someone that was familiar with running an offense, I, I just I still feel like there are ways that this offense could be better tailored to its limitations. And I'm not saying it's an easy job. I'm not going to sit here and say that Canada has, Canada's job is easy. It's the same it's the same thing we were trying to defend Randy Feekner with last year. What does he have to work with? You know what I mean? So it's not completely fair. I get that. But at the same time, something, something, there has to be something else in the tank for, for Mike Tomlin to say they had emptied all their bullets prior to that fourth down play is just ridiculous. And you know, an NFL coach should not have that happen. They were down to fullback shovel passes. So they were, they were deep in that playbook. That's for sure. Do you think that, I mean, we, we have no full way of knowing, but do you think that Ben has too much input in this offense? I have, you know, what's going to really tell me if there's too much, I have to wait for later in the year. If, if we're put into a fourth and inches in a situation to go for it, and I don't see a quarterback sneak. Yes. That, that is, that is what is going to be the telltale sign. Yes, because I remember exiting last season and saying, why is Randy Feekner not using the quarterback sneak? What is happening right now? The quarterback is big. The quarterback is tall. The quarterback is uh, it weighs a lot. He's a big boy. Big. He's called Big Ben. Why are we not doing this? And then I started thinking, like, what if this is Ben doesn't want to do it? It's a high percentage play on fourth and, uh, fourth and short or fourth and inches that never came in the offense. And if it's never run, uh, I don't know if we'll get the chance to. I'll have to determine it later in the season. But if, if I never see it again this season, the answer is completely yes. He had way too much. He should have never been brought back if, if that's the case. Are you sure that I, I wouldn't expect to see it because he's injured now, too? That is also true. But that's why I'll wait I don't think, later in the season. I, I mean, are, are we sure that see, – see, I just – I don't know. The, the bottom line is I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not 100% certain, but when I see what you saw in the All-22 tape that we saw all over Twitter this week, with that third down play, it's a four-verts hook concept with all four receivers running to the sticks and turning around on man coverage. And we talked about it on the last episode a little bit, but these routes are too independent of each other. What did we see when we played the Steelers played the Patriots in the late early to mid to late 2000s and early 20 teens whenever the Steelers would play them? You'd see those crazy crossing routes, these rub routes. Every route kind of complements each other. Everything is done to put defensive players in a bind. And I don't know if Ben Roethlisberger doesn't like certain things or what, but if he's saying he doesn't want to do things like that and these are parts of the plays he's designing, look, we know that... He has somewhat of a say, but the question is how much, and if it is too much, 
then why did the Steelers agree to that? They should have told them straight up, look, like, this is how it's going to be. You can either accept it and come back, or you can retire. You know what I mean? Like, why, why are they... Why are they limiting themselves if he is, you know, the one that's ultimately being the final decision maker on all this? Who knows? It is really tough to tell. There's like, there's no way to tell unless they tell us. And even then, what can we believe? We still have controversy over the conspiracy of that fourth down play at the end of that game because Matt Canada said they were in the end zone. So many things about that. Yeah. Matt Canada said they were in the end zone. Ben, Mike so that it was a throw. Ben and Mike Tomlin said no, they were supposed to block. What? <laughs> what do you what? Craig, Craig Wolf and let's be clear, they were saying receivers were supposed to block. Craig Wolfley said that there were supposed to be linemen blocking. So uh, someone is lying or all someone is either lying to cover up someone for, you know, like maybe Ben for making the wrong decision. Or something happened on that timeout. Remember, there was a timeout then. And something went horribly wrong with the communication from Canada to the offense where no one knew what was going on. Regardless, it's just a horrific look. Yeah, it's just not... some. There is someone that didn't understand what they were doing. And there might be multiple people that... Which is uh, inexcusable at this yeah. point of the season. Just... For the last play, your last chance at winning that game, it's why Tyler Boyd said they rolled over. There's someone that was not doing their job in that scenario. Multiple people, again. So, uh, tough. Regardless of how you look at it, either Matt Canada and the wide receivers weren't doing it right, Ben Roethlisberger and the offensive linemen weren't doing it right, there was something, there was multiple people that messed up in that scenario, and it is inexcusable, as you said. I have a hard time seeing how this offense is going to produce without a running game. My number one thing to try to get it going is just to spread it out. Najee Harris has been great in space. I think putting him in space, trying to lighten the box is your best shot right now. I know there's all this talk about, yeah, the the defenders are playing close to the line of scrimmage because Ben is having a tough time getting the ball deep down the field. I kind of get that, but tough shit, man. How many heavy boxes do you think Derrick Henry faces on a weekly basis? In fact, I, have, I had a tweet up not too long ago, something like 42% of the boxes he faces are eight-men boxes, and he still leads the league in rushing every year. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. They try and stop him, and it's not going to work. It just doesn't work. They try oh, yeah, everything here, they can. Here here we go. I actually shared it. I didn't even think about it. Henry faces eight plus man boxes on 42.5% of his runs and still leads the league in rushing and has the second highest y- rushing yards over expectation. Don't tell me that it's just the quarterback. Yes, the quarterback can make a difference by passing it deep, but, I mean, let, let's be honest – are we really expecting a 39-year-old quarterback? And let's, like we said, he's not noodle-armed. He's not. He doesn't have a super weak arm, but he's got an inconsistent arm. And this is something I've been thinking a lot about. Do you wonder why Ben, you know, still has the arm to whip it down the field sometimes, but then other times just won't have it? Like, do you wonder why that's the way it is? Sometimes. I definitely do uh, wonder why. It's like when he has the arm strength left, that is just not using it. If I may, look, Ben has always been more of a backyard f- 
football style of player. He's never been the cerebral type of players. He's never been the cerebral type like a Drew Brees or Peyton Manning or Tom Brady, right? That's not to say he's stupid either. Like he's been he's been in the league a long time. He knows what works, but there's it was always reasonable to expect that when Roethlisberger would start to decline that he would decline more harshly because he relied more on his physical traits than those other guys who were more savvy regarding knowing what was going on, right? Yeah. Oh, 100%. I believe, and now I'm not, I obviously don't know exactly, but as people age, a lot of time if they have these old injuries that they're dealing with, they their body will compensate over the course of time and they'll start doing things differently without realizing it. And what I'm getting at is that I think Ben's mechanics might change depending on certain situations. He might throw the ball some slightly differently and that might lead to more passes being sailed over the head of a receiver or something like that. And I think, now you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like we've seen more inaccurate passes the last two weeks since he got injured as opposed to the week one game against Buffalo, which also was not great, but... I don't think I'm that unreasonable to sit here and think that, okay, well, maybe Ben is Ben still has the arm on occasion. We see a good, really good throw down the field, but it's just so inconsistent. Do you think that I'm kind of, do you think I'm being outlandish? Do you think that that, I mean, I think that's a good thought. So the one thing that I, I will rebut is that week one, I thought he was more inaccurate than he was in week three. Week two, he was actually pretty solid. I didn't actually really feel like there was that much uh, inaccurate in, in in week two against the Raiders. But week one, that that was probably the worst. I like, I felt like the inaccuracy in that that one was one was the worst we've seen so far this season. And also week three was then the next worst. But and but so that's the one thing I would say. Was the first two weeks, uh, it was up and down, and then we're back to it was down, then up, then down again in week three. That is the one thing that oh. I would rebut in that. Oh, sorry, you cut out there. Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't hear much uh, of what you were saying. Oh, uh, that's so weird. Okay, basically all I said is the one thing that I'd rebut in that situation is is the that the first two weeks Ben wasn't as inaccurate as week three. I actually think that in week one, he was the most inaccurate of the first three games so far. I thought that was the worst thought uh, week two was actually solid. I thought week two was okay. He still had a little bit of inaccuracy issues, but not much. And then week three was back to bad. So it was up and down was what I was saying. I need, I need to find the time to chart all of his throws and kind of determine what all is going on. It's cool because you could just get rid of the entire middle of the field. Don't even have to worry about it. So I've been hearing that a lot of teams are actually trying to take away the middle and are daring him to throw to the outside, which I find interesting because I would have thought it'd be the opposite where you try to defend the outside and because you know he's not throwing to the middle. But I guess it's the opposite. So they're defending the middle and knowing that he's not even going to bother. Yeah, Uh, that is an interesting thought. I wish... I wish we had more access to the All-22. The NFL really messed that up, too. What what well, else is new? T- I tell you what. Yeah, they. I'm all for getting Game Pass someday. It's $100 for a year. So, like, to be honest with you, like, I'm not opposed to getting it at some point. But I'm not in a position to do that yet. 
but I, I've come closer and closer than ever to wanting to look at some of that stuff and then, like, save what I see in, like, a little clip and highlight things that I like to find. Yeah, that'd be fun to do. That'd be fun to do with more funds. And also, if the NFL didn't mess it up, like, again. Yeah, like they always do. Um, yeah, this, this team needs to... This team is just not capable of putting games on their back and certainly not on a regular basis and not the way things are right now. Look, I think the offensive line can get better, but it's not going to happen overnight. I think, I think realistically you can start to expect some noticeable progress following the bye. I think that would be a good time to wait till, till after the bye to see if there's some noticeable progress. I hope so. I hope there, that, that by then there's a little bit of progress. In the meantime, I'm keeping things simple. I'm spreading it out and running it. I'm... I don't know. I I think you have to still take... I think you just have to take your shots. Look, the, the Steelers have not had any success with this quick game. The quick game has been terrible this year, and it's because Ben has been inaccurate and the offensive line can't protect him, and I think that he's gun-shy now because of it. He's getting hit anyways. He might as well stand back there and try to deliver on longer passes. There's not much you can do. Yeah, no, not when the offensive line is blocking like that. I just think the big thing is this team is not going to have... There is still an offense where Ben Roethlisberger can function, but it needs to have a good enough offensive line, and it needs to have either routes that are complementing each other helping guys get open or it needs to have receivers that get open themselves right now there's one receiver that gets open the line is not protecting him they're not opening up lanes in the pass game or in the running game there are things they can do to mitigate things they can run routes that complement each other but i don't think that stuff is coming right away and i just i i think if that's not going to happen it's up to the running game to at least become average if we can just get four yards per carry on first down which is basically basically can you run successfully on first down that's what i want to see i think if the steelers can do that i'm not saying they're going to put up 30 points but i feel a lot better about their prospects for this game i mean realistically they played decently on offense against the raiders that's not to say they played great but like like we said in this last episode they have one drive per game where they dink and dunk their way down the field and can get it in. If they're much more successful on first down, I don't think it's unreasonable to think they could have multiple scoring touchdown drives. Yeah, no, it's definitely a possibility. I hope for sure at some point this year we see multiple scoring touchdown drives. That would be that'd be nice. I hope it it's not done for the rest of the year. We saw it like once and that was it. But um uh yeah, I think they could be productive. Uh, if they they just have to manufacture that run game, they the teams have to be afraid that the Steelers may actually be able to run. I mean, if you're not targeting the middle of the field and you can't run, or or even if you're shutting down the middle of the field, like you know what's going to happen, like you know where you basically know where to defend. Steelers have to be able to get a little bit of a run game going. And therein lies the need for more of those jet sweeps. Manufacture it in some way. Yeah, any way possible. Counters, draws. I, I feel like we don't see draw 
draws at all in the offense. Except for third and long. Except for third and long, yep. And sometimes Classic. second and long. <laughs> exactly. Classic situations. Oh, man. Now, let's actually, like, get into the Packers' defense because we have yeah, said we nothing about them Yeah, we didn't talk about them. Uh, something <laughs> I wanted to ask before we got... I wanted to ask your opinion on Jair, Jair Alexander. I didn't want to say his name wrong. Uh, I get the feeling you're low on him. I am. Compared to other people. But I wanted to ask your opinion first. So, I... Let me... All right, so the Steelers and Packers obviously don't play all that often. I only see the Packers, like, on a national TV spotlight or when they're playing the Lions when I'm watching with Will. I don't see them often. He seems like a good, solid cornerback to me. He is one of, traditionally, the last few years, he's been one of the highest-graded, like, over the past five to ten years, the top-graded cornerbacks have been, you know, Darrell Rivas, Richard Sherman, uh, Casey Hayward, uh, Chris Harris of the Broncos, and Alexander. Those have been, like, the top-tier guys. So... Um, I think he's solid, yeah, but to be honest with you, I can't make a full determination on him because I just haven't seen enough of him. So I kind of get to that same point where it's like, I feel like I don't really understand the super hype for him. Like, I feel like he's okay. He's he's more than okay. He's solid. He made a great play on Sunday night. I missed that play. It was the interception of Jimmy G. Yeah, I think I fell asleep by then at that point. Mm, I can't remember. So, but regardless, I feel like he's just always been, like, I, I don't know. Is he a top five corner? Like, I feel like a lot of people have him inside the top five. I don't think I'd put him in my top five. Like, I, I feel like that's where the discrepancy lies. Like, people, I, I, I don't truthfully understand, like, I don't know. Like, I just feel like he's not there yet, and everyone's there and i'm not so that was just my question because i am not as high as everyone else i think he might be a top 10 corner i'm pretty sure he is but like people have him in the top five and usually not five so i i i am not there (laughs) well even if even if you have him like lower like a top 10 cornerback or like just outside the top 10 this is still a pretty solid secondary eric stokes was their first uh their first draft pick this year you know he's a six foot, one hundred ninety four pound cornerback. He's likely he's to start starter. with starter. Yeah, I was gonna say with Kevin King out, that actually might be a good thing for them. They should be able to pick on their number three cornerback. They have a decent safety tandem with Adrian Amos and uh, Darnell Savage, who I think a lot of people were connecting to Pittsburgh at the time of the draft a couple years ago. This is isn't the most outstanding secondary the Steelers have seen. Uh. And they could, there could be a, pl- a couple places they could kind of get after the Packers, but I do think that their secondary is the strongest part of their defense. Yeah, I could agree to that. I like, I like what they have there. Despite me pooping on Jair Alexander, I do still think he's a good corner. I think that Darnell Savage has become a good safety. I think Adrian Amos is a really good safety. Adrian Amos is pretty uh, underrated. But uh, yeah, so. I'll, Overall, I do think their secondary is the best part of their defense, and it's going to be the uh, people to look out for. But funny enough, their best player on defense for me is not Jair Alexander, or at least the one I'm most. It's Kenny Clark. Yeah. And that's why. And it's frustrating because I look at the rest of this defensive front, and especially now without 
a guy like Zadarius Smith and I look, hey, you know, this could be a pretty good opportunity for the ground game. This looks like a team that the Steelers should be able to at least do better in terms of their ground game, especially you mentioned with uh, Jack Heflin possibly missing this game. So the lack of depth along to the defensive line. But Kenny Clark is uh, he's a good football player. man. <laughs> he's uh, he's not at the level of guys like Aaron Donald and Cam Hayward, but that's also definitely not to say that he's not a good football player. He's uh, he's, he's a pretty good guy. <laughs> I, I don't like the idea, especially of Kendrick, Kendrick Green having to face him. That's uh, that is a mismatch of damn near epic proportions. Right I now. was literally going to say that. I was like, he is perfectly made to counter Kendrick Green. Like he is literally probably Kendrick Green's nightmare other than Aaron Donald. And it's just like, that is, that's tough. It's going to be tough to deal with Kenny Clark's bull rushing again as Kendrick Green. Like it's going to be hard for him to handle that. It is going to be scary, but we're going to have to make it through it together. So, uh, yeah, that is the biggest matchup in this game. I, I think for me, it's just like, how bad is Kenny Clark going to win against Kendrick Green? How much help is Kendrick Green going to need or how much help is the guards going to need uh against kenny clark it's that's just it's a scary uh scary prospect when talking about the steelers offensive line they've been pretty rough so far i mean let's let's go across it so far obviously dan moore has had his struggles but i think for a fourth round rookie He's not doing too bad, but overall, in terms of left tackles in the NFL, he's a lot closer to 32 than one. Oh, yeah, he's in the bottom half. Of he's the certainly not so Austin far. Jackson, but he's not a ton better. <laughs> yeah, right no, he's not Austin Jackson. That guy was awful. I can't believe the Dolphins took him as a first-round pick. And with our first-round pick, too. Ew, gross. But, yeah, uh, Dan Moore, I feel like, for a fourth-round rookie, played well. But that doesn't mean played well for NFL. So he's played, oh, he's played like below average for NFL. So, I mean, it's the best of what we could do right now. Uh, I just gotta hope as the season progresses, he gets better. He's a guy that I feel like is gonna be better down the line. Like in uh, next year, he, he'll come back and play a little better. But uh, he's yeah. the guy. He's a guy where if he's the one major new starter, you can live with. But when he's like you're relying on him to be like a guy, that's that's just trouble. Kevin Dotson has actually probably been the most disappointing of the group so far. A guy that played really well last year in limited time, and this year has shown why that limited time isn't something you should hang your hat on because he has been quite bad this year. Yeah, the expectations for him were were pro were the highest by far. He was the one that's like, well, even if everything is wrong. You still got Kevin Dotson, and you don't. He's just not been very good. He's been okay, uh, and that's not very good. He's, that is, we're seeing a slump like this. It sucks, really does, because it's, it was the one thing you could hold your hat on on the offensive line is that you have one piece that's going to be at least solid, and he's not. He's not. He's just okay, and he's more closer to below average as well. So it's a tough pill to swallow, but also hoping for him to get better down the stretch when the offensive line gels a little bit better. You talked about Kendrick green. Uh, that guy's been, you've been bang on with your uh, assessment of him to this point of his career, just three games. But uh, I mean, you hit the nail on the head with him. 
I I don't like the idea of switching guys, you know, this early in their careers, but I I do have big concerns about the way he's played, especially with a guy like uh, Kenny Clark. Yeah, I mean, the Steelers might just be forced their hand. It, it's, it does feel like a mismatch of cataclysmic proportions here. This could be one where you had to force your hand and might have to put J.C. Ostenhauer, who's also not built for Kenny Clark, but just might be a little bit better, a little bit more experienced uh, than Kendrick Green is. So uh, it's something to consider. I still hold that Green should have never won the job over Ostenhauer this year. I just think it was a bad pick, and they forced it because they made that bad pick, and they said, well, we weren't going to address center until third round, so, and we took a guard to play center, so we're going we're gonna to roll with it. We're going to make it happen. It's just tough. I, I, I have my doubts about him being a long-term center, to be honest with you, man. I, I, I'm not saying he can't, but I, he is not the slam dunk that Marquise Pouncey was. Oh, absolutely not. Uh, there's a 100% a chance that he just never gets it together because he is starting off at a disadvantage. I mean, he is undersized. Like, he is small and with somewhat smaller arms. So the stronger opponents that with a really good bull rush are going to mess him up throughout his entire career. He's going to have the hardest time with that. He has to hone in on his skills and work on almost everything else to become a really good center in the NFL and a long-time starter. He has to basically... He has to become really good at... He has to become top of the league in a bunch of things. Like, little things. Like, hand placement. Or little things that seem little. Like, hand placement. Uh, getting his feet sets. Uh, snap to block time. He's got to get better at those things. So, that he can make it as a center. He's got a lot to work on. Expecting all of this from a guy that declared for the draft early and played... What did he play? Like, nine games at center in college? It was something like that. It was something. It was not a lot. He played one in the year prior, and then he played a good amount in uh, twenty in twenty nine. No, yeah, twenty twenty. I had it right the first time. One in twenty nineteen, and then I think like eight in twenty twenty. <sighs> I hate I hate bashing on the guy, but he's. You just can't ignore the fact that there are so many signs that say he should have been either a redshirt guy this year or, you know, should have kept him at guard just for the time being, you know? Maybe try to switch to center next year. There's just all of the biggest fears you had. And, you know, it's funny because we're not, we're not experts, experts, but sometimes, you know, sometimes what is obvious is true. And you're, you put in the time you watched what you, you know, you saw what you saw and you noted clearly that there's a lot working against him right now. And it's just, uh, you know, he could end up being a pretty good player even by year's end. But again, we asked the question last episode, where was this team supposed to be going into the year? Were they supposed to be competing? Because if that's so, this was the wrong pick. Just was. Yeah. Yeah, people are paid to look at at rookie tape. People are paid, and they have better access to rookie tape. And I just feel like they really did not. I I, I feel like we, they were watching different different things. Or they just whoever whoever pulled maybe someone overruled someone, or maybe they just they liked 
the good qualities because, I mean, the good qualities are really good, right? And that's another thing about this offense. These guys, this offensive line is supposed to be, outside of Trey Turner, their strength is supposed to be on the move, right? Why aren't these guys on the move more? Who knows? They're all young and mobile besides maybe, like, Trey Turner, but uh, who knows? I'd be trying to get the... They can't block, you know, man up on anybody. Get them out in space. You know, you talk about getting the ball in the hands of your playmakers. Get those offensive linemen in space. Yeah. Yep. It's probably your best bet to see if they got anything good, anything worth doing. Oh, this took uh, a turn. Oh, yeah, and then Trey Turner. I don't know. He's not... He's not the worst player in the world. If he's your worst offensive lineman, that's fine. You can live with that. But the Steelers are relying on him to be a leader and to be like the anchor. And there were a lot of question marks about him beforehand. And, uh, yeah, he, he hasn't been great. No, he's not. He's not been great either. PFF graded him out as the best offensive player last week, but... I just still not feeling it. The visual test is not, he's not passing that. And that's somewhat important. So, uh, it's just not been, not been good from him either. And then a core for gets, uh, gets hurt after he gets hurt too. And, uh, you know, he, he was playing okay, I guess, but he had his struggles too. And now that means Joe Haig likely starts at right tackle. Should help a bit in the run game, but Haig gave up a sack on Sunday too. So uh, I w- we're going way off on a tangent here, I guess. But uh, I- again, this whole offensive line, I felt a lot better with. I'd feel so much better with their opportunities in this game, especially for running the ball if Kenny Clark weren't there. I would too. Kenny Clark being right in the middle, right staring down Kendrick Green is just a tough pill to swallow. Very, very, very tough. You're not going to really see many matchups like that because not a lot of teams have a nose tackle like Kenny Clark other than like, or just a defensive tackle other than the Rams and I guess the Steelers if you want to call Cameron Hayward a defensive tackle or nose tackle kind of plays on the edge. So not really, but you, I guess you could call him that. But, um, yeah, it's just a unfortunate matchup that they could take advantage of uh, that could determine the game. We'll see. You, you want to discuss the merits of J.C. Hassenauer, possibly? Uh, J.C. Hassenauer. Let's, he... let's also be clear. I think Ben is more in favor of him, even if he doesn't say it out loud, just because he's more familiar with him. He's not going to be good in the running game, let let me be honest. Kendrick Green's probably better there, but he probably knows the calls better. In fact, I'd be sure that he does, being more familiar with the team. And he's, I have to think he's can at least handle the pass rushing better. Now, Kenny Clark's a tough assignment for him, but I have to think he's a better day-to-day option at this point, at least in this game. Yeah, I mean, Birmingham Iron legend, J.C. Mm-hmm. Hassenhauer. Started with the Falcons. Never forget. Uh, won two national championships when he was in college because he was at Alabama. Um, Alabama deemed him good enough when he was youngin'. Uh, he's more. He's played in more games than Kendrick Green. I. There's not much. There really, really isn't much. I mean, our choices are slim, and basically you'd pick... 
because Hassenhauer again is undersized with shorter arms as well, similar to uh, Green. It's just really you're going based on experience where you think Hassenhauer might be better because he has more experience doing this stuff. So that's basically what Hassenhauer's merit is: is that he has more time, uh, more playing time. I need to see. I'll have to do a study sometime. J.C. Hassenauer might be the last player from the Birmingham Iron still in the NFL. Possibly. That they don't even talk about it anymore. It's kind of forgotten about. No. Well, see, that's what happens when there's another tangent. But I hate that all these different leagues, these different, you know, the spring league, the fan control football league, which is a little different, the XFL 2.0, the AAF, why did they all have to, like, do this, this separately? It's like, and I, I understand that some of it's like they're competing with the NFL, where the AAF was seen more as a supplemental system. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I seem to recall the NFL was more in, more in support in favor of the AAF than they have been with any other, other you know, football uh, league at this point. Yeah, I feel like that's fair to say. I mean, shoot, Jerry Jones was going to have the uh, the championship game played at the Cowboys practice facility. Yeah. Right? And Frisco? Yeah. And, I mean, obviously he was in favor of it. I just... Uh, I'm not going to reopen that stuff again. But I just never understood why all these leagues had to take one shot after another three years in a row. Why couldn't they just have all, could, like, banded together, they would have been much stronger and they could have been legitimate. I've, I'm such a nerd and loser that, like, I would love to have an NFL minor league. I just think that would be cool. It would be cool. I think I'd watch that because, while it's not the NFL, I, I think it's, like, a good in-between between college and NFL. Well, and on top of that, it gives a place for, like, really good college stars that aren't really NFL players a chance to e either develop or thrive. And we talk about the development game for these players. Offensive linemen take three years to develop. You know, that's when they grow. Or what about the quarterbacks that take forever? Like, what about Josh Rosen? Could Josh Rosen have used a place like that maybe? I mean, come on. What about uh, – this name is going way back. Jordan Lynch uh, with uh, Northern Illinois. He was a star in college football. Or Colin Klein with Kansas State. Those guys could have been stars in a minor league football setting, but uh, we're we're getting way off topic here. That'll have to be a, a further discussion for another time. Let's circle back to this whole Packers-Steelers thing one last time. Offensively, I think it's going to come down to can you avoid turning the football over? Can you avoid the penalties? Can you – I think offensively without – I think without – factoring in turnovers the defense gives you i think you need to put up 17 points on offense and then you need to hopefully get one or two turnovers that you can punch in yeah 17 before turn uh points off of turnovers i think is a good number to shoot for i think that that's what you need to win this game for sure that's like the minimum too because i and, mean god packers could just hang up a whole 40 in this game just if they wanted to, if they were, if they're all uh, gelling, correct. And it's not crazy. Like seventeen points sounds sad, and for all the despair, the Steelers aren't far from seventeen offensive points. You know, just based off offense and not getting turnovers. 
they had 10 last week. They're only a touchdown off of that. And, you know, they, they've been in position. They, they are in position to capitalize more. They just don't have much of a margin for error. And, you know, for all the issues they've had, if they can, like you said, not turn the ball over. Like, I guess that's the number three things in whatever order you want. I guess number one, don't turn the football over. Number two, cut down seriously on the penalties. And number three, have slightly better success on first down. I think that will make a world of a difference. I think it will too. I think that that could just be the difference in the entire season for the Steelers. And uh, just quickly, because you got me interested in looking into it, there's one other Birmingham Iron player that is currently on an NFL roster. It's only one. I went through every single one other than that. That was, that was on their final roster anyway. And that is... Oh, is it that cornerback? What's his name? You're right on cornerback. Number th- he was number 35 with the iron. It's not Jack Tocho, is it? I forget the guy's name. He used no. to be with the Falcons, right? Uh, did this guy used to be with the Falcons? No, he was undrafted with the Browns at the time in 2018. Hmm. Oh, I'm thinking of Devontae Bowsby, but he was with Orlando. Who is it? Uh, Elijah Campbell is with the Miami Dolphins hmm. currently. Interesting. I, I remember Tocho, too, though. That's funny. I, I He was good safety. We should, at some point, go through all the rosters of the old AAF teams and see how many are left. Yeah. Some of these guys are in the Canadian League, but just other than other than uh, Hassenauer. Stefan Logan just retired. Yeah, J.C. Hassenauer is still holding up. I'm still surprised Trent Richardson never got a look, although I, I kind of get it in hindsight. Yeah. Wasn't very effective. I, his yards per carry, even in that league, was not very good. No. It was just a touchdown machine. Faux show. All right. Any final thoughts on this game? Special teams? Any? Anything there? Uh, no. Alrighty. Um. Hmm. Shall we get into the week four slate of games? Sure. Do you get any, uh,. Any vibes from the Bengals-Jaguars game? Uh, no, not really. I mean, uh, I was happy that I took the shot, even after getting burned last week by the Texans, to pick the Jaguars plus 7.5. I thought they were going to win that game, but uh, they kept it within 7.5, so. Finally saw that first overall pick, Trevor Lawrence. Not the entire game, but for parts of it, wouldn't you agree? I finally saw... Finally saw yeah. why he was the first overall pick. There was some flash in the pan. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Bengals at 3-1, and one, though. That uh, That's concerning. The Steelers don't get the Jaguars this year. So, um, uphill battle. But uh, the Bengals in first place right now. Let's move on to our Sunday slate of games. The Washington football team at the Atlanta Falcons. Washington... Uh, Washington is a point-and-a-half favorite. Uh, how are you feeling on this one? I'm going to pick Washington to cover here. All righty. Uh, Austin, you've got to get going real quick. Do you want to just give me your picks real quick? Any thoughts? Uh, you can run down the line here. I can. Oh, uh, it, it's not that, that big of a rush, but uh, I have Houston. Uh, Texans at Bills is uh, Buffalo minus 17. I have Houston plus 17. That's a big line. What do you have there? 
I have the Bills covering. I just think that the Texans with Davis Mills are not a good team. And even though that's a big line, I think the Bills are hitting their stride, so I like them to win big. Lions at Bears. Oh, my. Chicago is favored by three points. I have the Lions plus three. What do you got? Also, the Lions. Uh, yeah, the Bears' offense was a train wreck, and I think the Lions have been close, so I think they get it this time and win. Panthers at Cowboys. Dallas is favored by four and a half. I have the Cowboys covering. How about you? Panthers have a good defense, but they haven't played a good offense like the Cowboys yet, so give me the Cowboys, lay the points. I will move on to the Colts at Dolphins. Miami is favored by two points as the Colts are looking at staring down 0-4. I have Dolphins covering. What do you got? And Unless if Carson Wentz is healthy, I have a hard time picking against or picking them, even though the Dolphins aren't great right now either. It's, it's kind of a toss-up, but I will take the Dolphins to cover. Uh, Browns at Vikings, Cleveland minus two. Oh, also, I don't think you picked your lock of the week, so I don't know if you have that in your head yet. But uh, uh, I, The Browns at Vikings, Cleveland is favored by two points. I am going to pick the Browns to cover, and that is my lock of the week. That's why it reminded me. What do you have for the game? Uh, I actually have the Vikings plus two. This is a matchup of two similar offenses, you know, coming from the same uh, the same system. I actually am going to take the Vikings in a surprise uh, upset win here. Okay. Uh, I'm moving on. I'm going to go to the Giants at Saints. Saints are favored by uh, seven points. I have the Saints covering. I agree. Uh, the Saints defense is good. The Giants offense is not. Uh, moving forward, the Titans at Jets. Uh, Tennessee is favored by six. I have the Jets plus six. Without A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, uh, it's going to be tough. Should be difficult, but I'm not sure about the Jets until Zach Wilson stops throwing the ball to defenses. So, um, I don't know. I, I have a hard time picking the Jets until I see otherwise. Give me the Titans to cover. Okay. Uh, Chiefs at Eagles. Kansas City is favored by seven. I'm going to pick the Eagles plus seven. The, the Chiefs defense is keeping every team in it. Jalen Hurts has started to regress after a good opening week. I like the Chiefs in this one to bounce back after two difficult losses. Give me the Chiefs to cover. Uh, four o'clock games now. Cardinals at Rams. Uh, Rams are favored by four points. I have the Rams covering. What do you got? Divisional games are funky, but the Kyler Murray Cardinals have never beaten the Rams. Give me the Rams. Seahawks at 49ers. Keep them with that funky. San Francisco is favored by three. I have Seahawks plus three. What do you got? Wouldn't touch this one with a 10-foot pole. Don't know where to go. Going to pick the opposite of you, so I'll take the Niners. All right, I'm perfect. Uh, Ravens at Broncos. That line is completely even. Uh, give me Denver here. Uh, what do you got? Against all uh, – no, I'm kidding. I won't go with the tie. I'll also <laughs> take uh, – actually, I'll take the Ravens here. Uh, it's going to be tough if the, if either of these teams win because the Steelers play Denver next and they could be 4-0, or if Baltimore wins, the Steelers are even further behind. So – not a not going to be enjoying watching this one. No, Buccaneers at Patriots this Sunday night football. Tampa Bay is favored by seven. What do you got? I actually like the Patriots here. It's funny. There's a lot going against them, but I just I feel like the crowd's going to be whipped into a frenzy, and I think it's going to be a close a close game. I still think the Buccaneers win, but I uh, I like the Patriots to keep it close. So Patriots plus seven. I'm going with Tampa Bay covering. Last game is Monday Night Football. It's the Raiders at the Chargers. Chargers are favored by three. I have the Chargers covering. What do you got here? 
I agree. Uh, the Raiders have made a bunch of pressure on quarterbacks recently, but they haven't played an offensive line like the Chargers yet, so I think that'll be the difference. Chargers cover. Okay, so now we just have our bold prediction and final score. I'm just going to give it all uh, right now, and the X-Factors. So my X-Factors are Deontay Johnson and TJ Watt. I think that these two guys coming back from uh, injury is going to be make a big deal for the Steelers. I think they're both going to be contributors in this game. I think that they should make a difference. Like I, we talked about earlier, if we had to choose between Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson for this game, I'm taking Deontay Johnson, especially for the short passing. Uh, TJ Watt should fix the pass rush from what we saw last week, which was pitiful. At least I'm hoping. I think he's a difference maker here. Then, as for my bold predictions, I have Watt re-entering the Defensive Player of the Year race and getting three sacks in his return. He's got a lot of catching up to do because Miles Garrett got four and a half, and then Chandler Jones had that one week with five sacks, so that's tough, but I think he's going to come back and come back strong. Then Deontay Johnson is going to make three competitive catch, including one for a touchdown. And I define combative as there's like a defender also ripping at the ball. I think he's going to win three of those. And then one weird one is that there are over 200 yards of penalties in this game. And my final score prediction is going to be that the Packers do end up winning 36-23, which is going to cover and is going to be scoregami. 36-23 has never happened before. So it is a, an extra bold prediction in itself. So there's that. Uh, do you want to run through yours? Sure. But if you got to get going, I understand. Uh, feel free to say goodbye if you got to get going. I do got to get going. So thank Alrighty, you, man. everybody, for listening. This is me saying goodbye and signing off. Everybody, have a good night. Enjoy the rest of John's picks and stuff. And, uh, yeah, go Steelers. All right, see you, buddy. All right, uh, so not much left here. Let me just run through what I have here. The two guys I want to focus in on this week on offense, it's going to be uh, Pat Fryermuth. Uh, this is a guy that hasn't fully outsnapped Eric Ebron yet, but Ebron has added practically nothing to this team, certainly not as a blocker, and has dropped several passes, I believe only catching one of his six or seven targets on the year. Pat Fryermuth caught his first NFL touchdown a week ago, and I think is going to be a big difference in this one. I have him scoring two receiving touchdowns and putting up over 100 yards on the day. And defensively, I'm looking at James Pierre. Pierre is going to be a guy matched up a lot on a guy like Devontae Adams, and I think that after struggling to uh, cover Jamar Chase deep down the field, I'm expecting him to have a bigger game, and I, uh, I'm i predicting him to have uh, three pass deflections and one sack uh, on the day, and I think, uh, I don't know that that's necessarily a crazy bold prediction, but I do expect him to impact the game in this one. Overall, when looking at this game, the Steelers are six and a half point underdogs at Lambeau Field. It's just hard to pick the Steelers right now with the way their offense has been playing. I have hope and I feel that the offense can improve over the course of time, but this week there's a lot to ask for. Um, maybe if they the Steelers can block Kenny Clark consistently, they can have a solid running game, but until I see it, it's hard to predict that they will. On the other side, defensively, they should be able to get pressure on Rodgers, but unless if their offense helps them out, I have a hard time seeing the Steelers winning this one. Unfortunately, I have the Steelers falling to 1-3, losing 27-17 to the Green Bay Packers. And that'll wrap up today's episode, Season 6, Episode 26 of the Stronger Than Steel podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening, and please feel free to check out our episodes on our new home for the podcast on anchor.fm slash stronger than steel. 
we appreciate your uh your listening to this podcast and we appreciate all the support if you have any questions please please feel free to leave us a question at anchor or email us at stronger than steel podcast at gmail.com until next time thank you as always for listening to the podcast uh brought to you by austin and john have a good night and enjoy the game on sunday you have been listening to stronger than steel podcast thank you for joining us today and don't forget to check out our website listed in the description below